reading can be found on page 746. It's from the book of Isaiah, chapter 60, beginning at verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar, and your daughters are carried on the arm. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. To you the riches of the nations will come. Herds of camels will cover your land, young camels of Midian and Ephah. And all from Sheba will come, bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sorry, slight pause there, because Helen's poorly, and she was going to be giving the reading this morning. So uh, prayers for Helen Bolton, who's feeling a bit poorly this morning. Our second reading comes from Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. It's on page 966 of our New Testaments, of our Bibles. So the visit of the Magi. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel." Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. 
Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, everyone, and a happy new year, and in fact, a happy new decade. Uh, for those who don't know me, uh, my name's Rowena, and I'm one of the lay readers here. I don't know about you, but Christmas has just flown past, and I really can't believe that we're already several days into the new year. And today, as Neil has said, is Epiphany Sunday, and traditionally, it's the day that marks the visit of the wise men, or the Magi, to Jesus. It's a time when many churches across the UK, and indeed throughout the whole world, the whole Western world, come to celebrate the revelation of Jesus Christ as the saviour to everyone, and not just the Jews, as represented by the Magi. I expect by now most of you would have taken down your Christmas decorations, quite possibly influenced by the tradition that we need to get them down by the 12th night, which is when Christmas tide traditionally finishes and Epiphany starts. In my research, I discovered that the celebration of Epiphany can be traced back right to the fourth century. I also discovered that in England in the 18th century, there was an epiphany cake, which was a rich fruit cake. But as we Brits embraced new Christmas traditions during the reign of Queen Victoria, epiphany became a less popular celebration and the Twelfth Night cake was gradually replaced by the Christmas cake and instead eaten on Christmas Day. Another tradition I discovered was going to the theatre on the Twelfth Night and it became very fashionable in Tudor times. And Shakespeare wrote his play, The Twelfth Night, specifically for this occasion, which I actually had never realized until this point. <coughs> in fact, the word epiphany comes from the Greek word epiphania, meaning an appearance, a manifestation, an illuminating discovery something sudden, something unusual, something that would bring life-changing events. I don't know whether you've been watching the new TV program about the Christmas Carol, but I think Scrooge is a good example of someone who has an epiphany when after the visitation of the three spirits, he changes the way he views humanity and he no longer wants to live a life of being miserly and unkind. Or from real life, the moment when Isaac Newton saw a falling apple and realized that it and the orbiting moon were both pulled by the same gravitational force. I wonder if over these last few weeks, any of you have had any epiphanies when you've realized something new, perhaps about yourself, or indeed the Christmas story. 
I was given a Christmas card with the words, God's indescribable gift. And I was really struck by these words as I had the new realization that Jesus was God's indescribable gift to me and indeed to everyone. So as we look at the story of the Magi, what things can we see that can give fresh revelation, new insights about ourselves and God? I think there are three significant points. Firstly, the Magi responded. Matthew speaks simply of wise men or Magi coming from the east to Jerusalem. His account is tantalizingly vague and raises more questions than answers. Perhaps we've become so familiar with the story that we miss the element of surprise that God had chosen Magi. But why should we be surprised? What was different about Magi? It's because the word Magi originally comes from, the, from ancient Persia, which is probably where they came from. They may well have been associated with the priestly cult of Zoroastrianism, with its links with astrology and magic. And it's where we get our English word magic from. They may well have been held in high esteem in their own society. As we know from the book of Daniel, the Magi in his time were high-ranking officials. But one thing we do know is that they weren't kings. And it's unlikely that there were three of them. And they certainly wouldn't have wanted to travel alone as three people, as most people would have preferred to have traveled in a group for safety and protection, especially if they were traveling with valuable items. Nor would they arrived at the same time as the shepherds. And I'm sorry if it disturbs your lovely nativity scene with baby Jesus in his crib with the shepherds on one side and the magi on the other. As we know from Matthew's account here, by the time the magi got to see Jesus, he was a child and not a baby. So why did God choose these magi? As astrologers, they would have been studying the night skies. And it's likely that they knew some of the prophecies from the time that the Israelites had been taken into exile in Babylon. We also know from Matthew that they knew it was a significant star, a star associated with a very special birth, indeed a royal birth, the birth of the king of kings. So when they saw the special star, they were ready to respond because they'd been watching, they'd been waiting. 
They've been expectant. And they were ready to respond. And even though we know from the Bible that God clearly condemns their vocation, God still invited them to follow him. Matthew doesn't actually tell us why God chose them, but it is most likely that it was because they certainly weren't Jewish. And so the prophecies about God reaching out to all nations could be fulfilled. That the king of kings would come as the king of kings to all nations, as we see from the reading that Delia gave us from Isaiah. When all nations shall come to your light. Neither does Matthew give us any details about the journey or how long it took or whether the Magi realized it would be a long journey or that they would be traveling to Jerusalem. But what we do see is that when they saw the star, they were willing to make the journey in order to worship the king of the Jews. The second point is that they were excited. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed, we are told. The ESV Bible translation perhaps gives a more accurate account and says they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. This is a very emphatic way of expressing their joy. But what was this joy? What was this joy all about? It was because they were on a very special journey to see the king of the Jews. Someone they believed would be someone special. And because of King Herod's revelation to them, they now know that they were going to see not just a special king, not just an earthly king of the Jews, but the king of kings, the Messiah, the saviour of the world. Herod had in fact given them the correct town as they had arrived in Jerusalem and not Bethlehem. But he hadn't given them the precise location. So when they saw the star that they had originally seen at the beginning of their quest, it's no wonder they're overjoyed when they see it again. As now, all the significance of what the star means is confirmed and they can complete their journey. And thirdly, they worshipped God. When Jesus saw when they saw Jesus, they fell down and worshipped him. They'd been seeking, they'd been following, and now they encounter Jesus. And what an epiphany it must have been. What a special moment. What a life-changing moment to come into the presence of God. At what point they realized they're in God's presence, or whether they completely understood who Jesus was, Matthew doesn't tell us. 
But the word for worship that's used here indicates that they were worshipping not just a special person, not just a regal person, but God himself. And of course, we know that they brought precious gifts with them, fit for a king. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. These were in fact standard gifts that would be given to honour any king or deity in the ancient world. Some have speculated whether these gifts have a deeper meaning. As it's well known that gold symbolises kingship, frankincense symbolises priesthood or deity, and myrrh symbolises sacrifice or death. In fact, Matthew doesn't tell us why these gifts were given. But we're given some deeper understanding from Isaiah 60, which provides an important connection between the Magi and their gifts. As it reads, Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar. And all from Sheba will come bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. So what does this journey mean to us? How can we apply the Magi's experience to our own? Firstly, we see that the Magi responded to God's invitation to follow him. Am I willing to respond to God's invitation? Am I truly seeking to follow Jesus? Am I willing to follow whatever the cost? And when I encounter Jesus, am I willing to be changed? So how can we respond and go deeper with Jesus? One way is by having a regular time with God, each day reading the Bible and talking with him. Another, may, another way may be joining a life group or going to connect or fight club Or praying with others. Come along to Prayer Central next Sunday evening. The new year is always a good time to start something new. Secondly, the Magi were excited when they saw Jesus. Am I really excited when I meet with Jesus? And does this excitement spill over? so that I can't help but tell others. And if not, then the start of the new year may be the time to seek God afresh, not just as an experience, but to flee. It's not just about a happy feeling which may come and go, 
but it's about realizing who Jesus is and what he has done for me and for us. Thirdly, the Magi bowed down and worshipped Jesus when they met him. Do I really worship God with my whole heart? Am I recognizing him as my king, my lord and saviour? We've just sung the great song, 10,000 Reasons, about worshipping Jesus. Worshipping Jesus like never before. And I wonder in this song whether we get a glimpse of true worship. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Worship his holy name. Sing like never before. When I worship God, am I singing like never before? Am I worshipping his holy name? So what might true worship look like? In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, we learn that our worship is not just about the way we sing God's praises, but also the way we live. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. We don't know if the gifts that the Magi gave were sacrificial in any way. But they were significant gifts and they would have been costly. So what gifts can I offer Jesus this coming year? Could my, could my gift be used in church in any way, such as helping with children's groups, Thursday club, doing a session on reception, helping at Friday Fridge, just to name a few things. Or with my finances, am I willing to give generously and joyfully? Giving, I must admit, is always a challenge. And in the carol, The Bleak Midwinter, we sing, what can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet, what can I give him? Give my heart. I think, most of all, Jesus wants us to give him our hearts. As when we give him our all, he is able to transform us. And like an epiphany, he can change our lives. Meeting Jesus and knowing Jesus should be a life-changing experience. Over the last few weeks, I guess we've all been on some sort of journey, some sort of Christmas journey, but probably not like the Magi. Perhaps you've met Jesus for the first time, and in which case can I encourage you to join the new Exploring Christianity course and do ask Neil for details. But at this time of year, life can sometimes seem a little lonely, perhaps a little dreary or dull. The Christmas decorations have come down, the trees have disappeared, the lights have been packed away, and New Year's resolutions may have already been broken. But Christmas isn't over, as in the twelfth night. In fact, it's just beginning. 
And the season of Epiphany can help us realize the true meaning that Jesus has come to earth. He has come to live amongst us. To take away our sins and to die in our place so that we can have a living relationship with God. And it's one that lasts day in, day out, every minute, every second. So this coming year, can I encourage us all to have a closer walk with God and like the Magi, be willing to encounter Jesus and to have our lives transformed and with open and expectant hearts. We may encounter new revelations of Jesus and new, learn new things from God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you that you did indeed come to earth and live amongst us as our Lord and Savior. We pray that you will open our eyes to see new things of you day by day. Help us to be expectant of you. Help us to wait upon you, to be willing to follow you for all that you have planned for us this coming year. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Rowena. So as we think about all that Rowena said, as we think about how we're going to spend this year, what we're going to have as our attitude as we go into this year. Let's stand and